This week's episode is brought to you by the following partners. First of all, Washington on the Daily, an up-and-coming, growing Washington Commanders fan page. One of the fastest-growing sports pages on Instagram gets you all the news and information you need for your Washington Commanders. I'm a Commanders fan. Uh, he's a great guy. I've known him for a little bit. And please go follow him on Instagram. That's at WSH on the Daily. Um, give him, drop him a follow, even if you're not a Commanders fan, to support his his account and, and keep yourself updated on all the latest Commanders news. And Circle B Diecast, we have a promo code with them. Use the code QuickPit when you're checking out. That's Q U I C K P I T, all caps, no spaces, for free shipping on any order, twenty dollars or more. That's Quick Pit on Circle B Diecast or Plan B Sales. Helps us out, helps you out, gets you some free shipping. It's a no-brainer. Go use that code. Now, cue the intro. Hi, this is Bailey Curry. Alan Bestwick here. Brendan Gaunt here, former driver number 62. This is Gary Owen from the Go On YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Raphael SR. Quick Pick Podcast. It's not that tough. Connor, Ethan, Quick Pick Podcast. You're listening to it. Everybody tune in. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan, not joined by Connor this week. Eric is filling in for Connor. How are you doing today, Eric? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's been a, a pretty slow weekend and slow week for all around for me, uh, especially when it comes to Martinsville. It was slow for everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm glad to be back on the show for a full for a full episode. It's always fun. And um how did how did the segment uh, for the fantasy segment go last week? I didn't get the chance to listen to it yet. How how did you fare with it, Ethan? Uh, it was okay. I mean, it was serviceable. Uh, uh, you do a much better job. Connor and I both did it actually, and so we kind of tag teamed, and so that made it a little bit better. But uh, you definitely do a better job. Uh, so I guess you, you didn't watch any of the Martinsville race, right? Uh, no, because first of all, just like the actual normal starting time is stupid for me. It's, it's 2 a.m. And um, I, I'm pretty sure it also got rain delayed. So it, it probably started even, even later than that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where, when it actually started. And uh, it started I'm not about, sure when it finished. <laughs> started about 8.30 my time and it was done... It was done at 11.30. I, I did two straight nights of, yeah, two two late nights that I, I felt the effects of for a couple of days. I haven't done that in a while. Um, I don't typically stay up that late. So uh, two straight nights for the cup and, and then the Xfinity race. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was a really boring race. I I, I, I think – I think uh, Jordan Bianchi put it best on, on the athletic podcast where he said, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And I, I feel like that's, that's very strongly how I felt about that race. Right. I mean, maybe I, I, I obviously I didn't watch it, but uh, I did watch the highlights and you know, you can tell a race is not good. If all the highlights they have are uh, the stage 
five finishes. Like that's all all the highlights <laughs> they have. So it, the race starts and then it skips to the final the lap of the stage. And you're like, oh boy, it's one of those races. Yeah, it, it, it was very reminiscent of of a mile and a half from last year with the 550 package. I still, it, it feels, it, it's such a NASCAR thing to do, right? Like they fix the mile and a half and the mile and a half races are great now. And they managed to screw up the short tracks in the process. I mean, only NASCAR could pull that off. Uh, yeah, well, maybe they're not all bad. I mean, uh, Richmond was decent. It, it definitely was a lot more bearable than uh, previous Richmond races, I would say. Um, but Martinsville obviously was was a flop. Um, let's hope they don't mess up Bristol because, well, just we already lost a Bristol date, like a Bristol asshole date. Uh, it would suck the, for the last Bristol asshole date that we have to completely flop and be a bad race. I think most of the problem is the uh, the lack of banking because the three worst races this year have been Martinsville, Richmond, and Phoenix. So, you know, the, the one thing they all have in common is that they're short, flat tracks, not much banking. And so that makes me worried for New Hampshire, but maybe that's where they'll try some things to fix whatever's wrong with the car. So, you know, I, I, I'm not too concerned overall. I think, you know, these teams are smart. You have to remember like, you know, back in November, they do their first mile and a half, big mile and a half test with the next gen car. And it was terrible. And all the teams got together, worked with NASCAR, figured something out. And we've got this great package for the mile and a half. So I'm not too concerned overall, but man, that was so disappointing to look forward all day to just a, a fantastic Martinsville short track race and then uh, spend four hours watching William Byron or Hendrick Motorsports knock the crap out of everyone in the field. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, let's get into the top 10. Do you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. So, Your favorite. Uh, our race winner was... Uh, oh, 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 no, we're going... <laughs> All right, Chase Elliott. Uh, P10 uh, led 185 laps and I'm pretty sure he won both stages. Um, I would say it's just another stand up chase Elliott number 19 choke. <laughs> would well, you agree with that? <laughs> I think Gustafson is a, is the problem there, honestly, because I mean, they were top five, at least top 10 last week at Richmond didn't finish the top 10. You know, there's been a couple races this year where the nine team has been very fast in the first two, two and a half stages, and then they just fall off a cliff after the last pit stop. And, you know, I cannot, I, I don't know what the problem there is, but, you know, I think it needs to be looked at. This, I don't think these, it's not a coincidence anymore. I think there's a trend happening here. Uh, yeah. Um, I, you know, even as an Alex Bowman fan, I would not be opposed if at any point during these next couple of years, they try pairing Elliott with Greg Ives instead because they had some decent success in, in the Xfinity series. I think it um, it could work out in the end uh, that you would have to give someone else to Bowman, which I don't want to see Gustafson with Bowman because that would be a whole nother headache. But um, Elliott has been having, uh, the nine team actually has been having this problem with closing out races since... 
early last year. So uh, it's getting pretty concerning because he hasn't won in an oval in a very long time. His last win was when he won his championship. Uh, the rest of his wins have, have been uh, have been road courses. Yeah, I, I'm not too concerned about that. I feel like he still runs well at ovals. It's kind of just kind of a, been a, a luck thing, right? You know, if he was running 15th every race for the whole race at most ovals, then I'd be concerned. But, like, he's he's had good runs. And I think last year, if Kyle Larson isn't so dominant, he wins a couple. You know, I, I don't think last year was as much an Elliott thing as it was a Larson was just God tier last year. So, you know. I, I'm not too concerned for Elliot. Coming home in ninth is uh, the better Chase in this race, at least. Chase Briscoe grabs a top 10. Um, wasn't much of a factor, but most of the Stuart Haas cars were really good. Um, and uh, well, I want to talk about Colt Custer here in a minute or two, but once we get done with the top 10, but Chase Briscoe uh, gets a ninth place finish. He's had a very solid start to the season. Um, it's actually been a pretty inconsistent if I, I remember i checked his stats i think just yesterday um after he's he got his win um yeah he, he didn't get a top another top 10 until martinsville this was his uh his first top 10 since his win at phoenix so um it's been pretty inconsistent a pretty inconsistent season but uh he's definitely improved a lot if you check his average finish it's a huge difference between last year and this year so He's already doing a lot better, but they, they, they still have some quirks they need to figure out. Well, you know, if you look at last week at Richmond, he finished 11th. And then at, at Coda, he had um, he was up there battling for the win and had a problem late. So he was running well that race. I, I, I'm just I'm mostly looking at the fact that he's run where, you know, you see him. He's in the top 15 for most of the race in pretty much every race this year. And I think that's the really promising thing, even though the numbers on paper aren't phenomenal. Oh, he's definitely uh, being the fastest to a house car consistently. Um, but I think if, if he, if the 14 team can start putting together, uh, start to finish races a lot more uh, consistent, consistently, I think they can really be a threat for another win or, or maybe another two wins. Uh, at some point during the season, because uh, Chase Briscoe is a very streaky driver. He, if if he if he gets on fire, he can really just pop off and keep going. Yeah, and, and but overall, like th- that whole team. I mean, with with who's next in the top ten too? It's like that whole team has looked really really good, especially compared to last year. And I think Briscoe is the the biggest benefactor from it so far. Yeah. Um, speaking of Stuart Haas, right, uh, right up the ladder next to Chase Briscoe and eighth, we have Eric Almarola with another solid top 10 performance, which we've come to expect from our Eric Almarola during his entire tenure at Stuart Haas racing. Um, would you say Eric Almarola is a, uh, is on the better half of the playoffs right now at this point in the season? Do you think he has a good chance at making it in on points? Yeah, I, I do. And I think, you know, based on how he's run, he's in position to get a win. You know, I, I don't think he's I mean, he's not a championship threat. Right. Let's not fool ourselves into that. But he's having the best statistical season so far of his career. When you look at his average run, uh, average finish, um, he uh 
as, is at 12.4 average finish, and his career best previously is 12.8 back in 2018. So overall, I, I am very uh, impressed by Almirola, especially compared to the year he had last year. But I'm, uh, I, I think, you know, would you be shocked by an Almirola win? Uh, no, I'm actually probably gonna circle him for Talladega in just a couple of weeks because um, he's always fast, especially at Talladega. So, um, well, uh, this is a little sneak peek for the fantasy segment in, in a couple of weeks. Get Al Marola in there. That's gonna that's gonna really boost your points. Uh, your your shameless plug. I guess it's not really a shameless plug since it's on the podcast. But yeah, um, you know, I think Al Marola, He's kind of like Jamie McMurray, where he's never going to blow you away, but he's very he's consistently good. Not great, but good. And, and I think that showed he he qualified well. And he, most of the Stuart Haas cars were in the top, top 10 for most top 15 for most of the night. So really good run for Eric Almirola coming home in seventh. We have Kyle Busch, the candy man in the 18 car. I can't remember seeing anything about him during the race. He was just kind of there. So, I mean, Toyota is definitely struggling still right now. And, and I think we can talk about Denny Hamlin in a few minutes, but uh, seventh place for Kyle Busch. Uh, yeah, um, it's it's kind of concerning to a point uh, how uh, inconsistent the 18 team has been, but I don't think it's at the merit of Kyle because he has been consistently the fastest guy on his team. Um, there, there's a lot of mistakes going on, especially in the pits and on the adjustment side, which I think they need still need to figure out. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm still not entirely sold on Ben Bayshore. Yeah, I'm. He's better than he's. He's okay, but he doesn't seem to mesh well with Kyle. I think he makes enough small mistakes that don't like completely cost them the race, but bumps them down some spots or, or just he makes some head scratching calls, you know. And, and so I, I would agree with you. I don't think that's a pairing that's worked very well so far. I think Kyle is very very similar to Sebastian Vettel. He needs a perfect car. Like legitimately perfect to the dot to be able to dominate and win, which is not, it's not a diss at Kyle, but some drivers just need everything to align for them to be able to dominate consistently. And I don't think Bayshore can give him uh, that extra inch that Kyle needs to dominate. Yeah. You, that's interesting to think about actually, you know, the next guy in, in the list that we'll talk about in a minute um, he's very good at maximizing his equipment and Kyle doesn't seem to be able to do that. He kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of folds when he's under pressure to get the most out of the car. So, but he can drive just about anything. I, I I'm sure you put him in an Indy car and he goes and is competitive. So I, it, it's hard to tell sometimes, but he's always complaining and even when his car is good, but he, he, he never can seem to uh, overcome a bad race car. Uh, he, he really just gets in his head too much. Um, I, I, it's, not, it's not more complicated than that. Um, I think if, if he just tries to salvage good, like respectable, respectable top five days a lot more, he would, he would do a lot better across the board. Uh, Kyle has a very checkers or records mentality 
which he has never really overcome. Yeah, that's a good point. Who's next? Uh, we have his brother, Kurt Busch, which, like you said, is, is the complete opposite of his brother. He can drive anything and, and completely max out the potential of the car. Um, I really don't know what to think of 2311 just yet because um, I'm not sure if the equipment is top 10 worthy or if Kurt Busch is top 10 worthy. It's Kurt Busch. It's not the equipment. The equipment is garbage. Well, maybe Kurt is driving the equipment right where the equipment should be, and maybe Bubba Wallace is underperforming. I think it's more likely, given Kurt's past, that he that this is a 15th place car and he's elevating it, not the other way around. Well, uh, I, I I don't really know. Maybe that's maybe that's true. Um, I still think that at, they have some work to do. If you look at where the rest of the Toyotas are running, I think. I think Kurt Busch is outperforming and Bubba maybe is slightly underperforming, but overall running 15th where, or 16th where Bubba ran this week uh, is much closer to the car's actual capacity than, uh, than the, uh, than where Kurt Busch has been running, grabbing top fives and top tens. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's a good point, but also you, you got to take into consideration that, um, it was very hard to pass. So Hamlin and Truex, they, they probably did have decently fast cars, but they weren't able to, to use their speed to get up front and, and fight for the win. So maybe that, that affected them a lot too, because I'm pretty sure Kurt started a race a lot more up front than, uh, than both Truex and, and Denny. I might be wrong on that, but um, I know they struggled in qualifying. Yeah. Uh, and I think a top uh, sixth place finish for Kurt Busch is very, very impressive given the state of the team. Coming in fifth is Ross Chastain, another top five. He has, uh, let's see, he has five top fives in the last six races, including that win at Coda a couple of weeks ago. He's he's on a phenomenal run. And and let's be honest, I I did not, he did not run very well for most of this race. And he got up there at the end to, to grab the top five, but a, a very impressive run for Ross Chastain. Uh, I think he, he's, he's a dark horse for at least the championship four at this point in the season. He's, he's fast. Like you can't really put it any other way. He, he's not getting lucky. He's not uh, backing into anything. He's legitimately fast week in and week out. I don't know if I'd put him as a championship threat quite yet. I need a few more races to make that decision, but he's definitely rising. His stock is rising a lot. And so at some point soon, I think it'll be time to have that conversation, but not, not quite yet. Fair enough. Uh, I guess, I guess we'll see. Um, um, Coming in fourth place, we have someone who's definitely a championship. I think you're going to agree with me on this. Ryan Blaney. With another, uh, with another solid performance from him. Uh, is he the driver to lead the most laps this season, or is that William Byron? I think it's William Byron. Blaney Byron was for, has... for some, for some uh, part, of, part of the season, but I think Byron uh, overtook him. Byron does lead him by about 150 laps. He's at 482 laps led uh, for, for William Byron. But Blaney has led a lap in every race this season. And I think he's only the only driver to do that. Yes. Yeah, very impressive. 
Um, I was not expecting Jonathan Hester to elevate that uh, 12 team so much. Um, it, he's running a lot better than he was running with. Uh, who did Blaney have? Was it Todd Gordon last season? I, no, I think Gordon was with the 22, right? Uh, no, Paul Wolf was uh, with, 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 uh, with the 22. Uh, um, I think he did have Gordon then, yeah. Yeah, I'm very impressed with Jonathan Hassler. Um, Very, very consistent crew chief. That was what was missing from that 12 team was consistency, which he did find uh, late in the season in the playoffs. But I think um, this pairing is is really good at the moment, and um, I'm expecting big things from them. It was Todd Gordon last year. Yeah. For for Blaney. So, yeah, I I mean, they've had a very, very solid season. He's tied for the uh, series lead in top top tens he's got three top fives he's won three polls and uh has overall had a very very solid season to to double back to chase elliott quick he has the best average finish in in the series despite only one top five he's been really oddly consistent yet it seems like he's he's doing poorly every race it's really weird it's it's an interesting uh phenomenon how about third place, Austin Dillon in the free car? They're saying during the broadcast, because he was up there all night long, this is the most laps uh, Dillon has spent in the top five in his career. Uh, on the final green flag run, he was starting to run down William Byron. Uh, I think he used up his stuff a little too quickly and didn't catch him. Caution came out. He couldn't get – he had a bad restart, couldn't get to Byron's bumper. So he finished in third. But Austin Dillon, this is three straight top tens now. I think he's becoming a playoff. Uh, he's starting to lock himself into the playoffs. Not lock him, like he doesn't seem like he's a, a fringe threat this year. He seems like he's here to play. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually kind of getting um, Jamie McMurray vibes from from Dylan more so than I am from uh, Amarola, just because um, this is usually how uh, McMurray got into the playoffs. He he was never a, just a full on race winning threat week in and week out, if ever. But he was just consistent enough on a, cons- on, a on a weekly basis to uh, to make the playoffs com- comfortably most years. So um, very impressed with the, with, with the free team and very impressed with RCR. Uh, I, I will admit Tyler Reddick has been slowing down lately. I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I, I, I've, I expected him to, to keep running as well as he was early in the season, but um, he's, he's been slowing down lately, um, which is interesting. Yeah, I think he'll rebound. These are more uh, – it seems like he's really good at mile and a half, that kind of track. I don't know why it's an odd track to be good at, but, like, he, he ran well at Coda. He, he was doing all right there. And I think – I'm not concerned about Redick at, at this point. I think it's just a quick slump. Yeah, I think he'll do fine. Uh, there's there's going to be plenty of uh, mile and a half coming up, and he'll, he'll win. Um, and in, uh, in second place, we have uh, we have Joey Logano, which um, I think this is uh, his best finish of the season. I think they mentioned that on the broadcast at some point. Um, pretty quiet year from Logano so far, but um, that's that's usually how he operates. So I'm not I'm not very concerned about about him. Uh, I think he'll get his uh, his uh, standard one or two wins in the regular season and start uh, really going for it in the playoffs like he usually does. Um, but but man, I really do kind of miss the era of Logano just dominating. That was fun really? to watch. As uh, Even as a Logano hater, 
Logano is a fun driver to watch. Yeah, you know, I used to hate Logano. I think he he ran into Jeff Gordon at some point uh, when I was younger watching, and that was it for me. <laughs> but uh, one of my core memories for NASCAR is being so, so happy when Kenseth took him out at Martinsville. But I, I think he's starting to grow on me. He really is. I feel like he's uh, starting to – I'm starting to, to like him just a little bit. And I'm a little concerned with myself that I'm starting to like Logano. But, you know, he, he's getting older. He's not as uh, as immature. He's still aggressive, but he's maturing. And he's he's becoming a more fun guy to root for. So, yeah, I, I, I do think – it, it'll be nice when it'll be a, a nice race when he goes in and truly goes out and wins a, a real race. It, it seems like he's won all the gimmick races recently. I mean, he won at uh, Bristol Dirt in the Coliseum. I'm waiting for him to win a legit, legit race. Um, Logano for me is in the category of drivers that I, I like. I'm indifferent towards if they win. Um. So I guess that's that's good considering last year I hated his guts, especially after the 500. But um, I, I, I think I got to agree with you. I, I, I'm kind of starting to sort of like Logano, which is also very weird to say, but... Um, it's concerning. Yeah. I should probably, should probably go to the doctor. I'm probably not feeling too well. I, 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 we, should, we should go to the confession booth at, at the church, at church or something. This is not good. <laughs> Yeah, starting to like Lugano. Yeah, this is a problem. Yeah, and it was a pretty good run for him, but not as good of a run as William Byron, first driver to win multiple races, uh, leads over 200 laps, leads uh, the entire, pretty much the entirety of the second stage and route to winning his second race of the year at Martinsville. His first was at Atlanta and solidifying his standing of getting into the playoffs. So I... Is he the car to beat at this point? It still feels like no one has really stepped up and, and been the best driver. Like nobody has become last year's Kyle Larson yet. Um, I'm waiting for uh, I mean not Bristol Dirty. That's not really a good uh, a good track to judge drivers. I'm waiting until at least Talladega to see um how the 24 team is gonna run, and then I'll I'll start actually maybe uh saying, okay, Byron could actually be the guy to beat this year. But uh, overall, the only the only thing about Byron that I haven't liked this season were his paint schemes. Otherwise, he's been running pretty well. He's 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 finally starting to break through. Um, I'm really glad Henrik was patient with him because I think if he stuck with Toyota, um, like he was in the truck series, I think he would have been sacked a long time ago. He would have been gone after 2019, probably would have been driving for Spire right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that Hendrick stuck around with him. Man, those Raptor Tough, that Raptor Tough scheme is awful. It's it's gross. I hate it so much. <laughs> oh, and the numbers, like I, I don't mind the numbers anymore, but the 24 car always has just this big empty space right on the door. Like they could put anything in there, they just don't want to. Yeah, they they for whatever reason, they decided to make the worst possible scheme. But everyone knows what Raptor Tough is now, so maybe there's a point to just make it a, a awful, awful scheme that everyone remembers because, man, that thing is ugly. 
I will not buy that diecast under any any circumstances. But I, I think honestly, I, I I would disagree with you a little bit. I would say I would wait one more week till Dover because Dover is Hendricks' playground, and if he goes and wins there, gets himself three or, or I don't know, he could have as many as five at that point. Uh, if he goes, if, once he gets to three wins, if he's the first guy to three wins before anyone else has two, I think that would really set him apart. And either way, he's definitely a round of eight, round of four threat at this point. Um, actually, I, I'm going to agree with you there on Dover. I actually didn't even remember what was coming after Tyler. Like, I didn't know it was Dover. Um, but uh, I don't I don't see Byron as a... Uh, as a streaky driver, I'm looking at his Xfinity championship and um, he never really went on a winning pair. He kind of just won where it mattered. And I think that's, uh, that's just as valuable of a skill as what Larson did because um, Logano, we just talked about him. That's how he operates. He wins where it matters and, and, and it it got him so much success already. So um, if that's the, uh, business model i guess that byron wants to follow i think he has a very bright future ahead of him yeah i, I think byron who was it hendrick that said that he thinks byron is the most uh promising driver on the team or was it someone i i don't think hendrick would say that uh, about uh his own it, team. it was kyle petty kyle petty said that he thinks byron is the most has the brightest future of all the hendrick drivers and when when your guy who's been the third best driver, maybe the fourth best driver the last two seasons, uh, uh, it, it, you call your most promising man. Hendrick is set up for the next two decades, and these guys are going to rack up a lot of wins. How do you feel about that as a uh, registered, at least Chase Elliott hater, but uh, not a massive Hendrick fan, Eric? Um, I wouldn't say I'm not a Hendrick fan. I'm just... Uh... I guess I'm uh, I'm not really rooting for the entire team, which uh, is, some, is something I used to do before. I, um, when uh, Junior and Johnson were still driving, I was willing to let go of my Elliot hate to just just occasionally to to go hey to hey go hey twenty four let's go, but um <laughs> yeah I'm I'm not a Hendrick hater, but um I'm definitely not uh, I'm not the sort of guy to have like all the Hendrick cars as my Reddit flair. So uh, that, that's not something I would do. I, I do want to ask you this. Do you think this current Hendrick lineup has a chance of surpassing the Johnson, Gordon, uh, Jr. and Kane lineup we used to have? That was like the best lineup Hendrick Motorsports had for a while. I think so. I mean, how many races did they win last year? Bowman had four, Byron had one, Elliott had two. They won 17 races. And then at the peak of the Johnson, Kane, Gordon, Earnhardt lineup, they would have had, that would have been what, like 2014 probably? Uh, Yes, I think so. So the most that pairing won was 13. Races and that was 2014. Kane had one, then Johnson, Gordon Jr. all had four. Um, so I, I, I mean, last year they kind of already did in terms of wins. Um, I would say you know they they can definitely. This group feels really promising because 
for a long time, if you're looking at overall team performance, um, your team, the, uh, Hendrick, they won 10 races in 20, uh, 2012. You look at Hendrick and they, uh, hold on, 2009, they won 13 races, but that was with uh, Johnson, Gordon, and Mark Martin. Um 2007, Gordon and Johnson combined for 16 wins, and then Kyle Busch and Casey Mears each added one. So you, you could look at that. Um, but, you know, for a long time, it was just Gordon and Johnson, and then it was a, honestly a couple nobodies or, like, a, a pretty good third driver and then a nobody. Or, or, you know what I mean. Not not a superstar by any means. But I think this this lineup has a real chance of being dominant for a long time. I mean, in terms of championships, Gordon and Johnson combined to win to win eleven with Hendrick, and right now we're at two with the current lineup. I don't know if this uh, current format allows for for someone to, to reel off a streak like Johnson did when you're really relying on the last four races of the year and the last race total. But, you know, would you be shocked? I think Elliot can get another, right? Uh, yeah. Especially if it stays at Phoenix, I think Elliot gets another at some point. I'd be shocked if Elliot doesn't, doesn't get one or two more. I would think, could you see? I, I feel like Larson probably has two more in his pocket somewhere, assuming he doesn't get bored with NASCAR and go pursue Formula One or something. I think uh, I think um, Larson can is like the only driver in the entire Cup Series that still has a chance at just lighting on fire and and starting to just streak championships. I I, I can see like four total championships from him by the end of his career. I don't know. I feel like the unless this if the system changes, maybe, but under the current system, I don't think it's possible. It's, there's too much luck in it. And then I feel like Byron definitely has multiple championships. And I mean Bowman is I feel a slight tier below the, the Larson Elliott and uh Byron, but he's still very, very good. And a couple years ago, he came within a race of making it into the final four. And I mean, I feel like that wasn't even his best year in 2020. So the the format, I guess the format would help Bowman get a title and hurt Elliot, Byron, and Larson from stacking titles, if you know what I mean. But overall, if, if they keep this lineup, they're going to win a lot of races. They're going to win multiple more championships. And I don't know. I feel like the statistics may not line up, but the overall quality, I, I feel like it'll be more spread out. You know what I mean? Whereas instead of being so uh, front-loaded with Johnson and Gordon like it was years ago. Yeah, um, that those are all interesting points. Um, I definitely think Bowman will at some point in his career have like a Clint Boyer 2012 type of season where he just he really finds his groove and, and contends for a championship. But even as a biased Bowman fan, I don't see him ever going on a, on a uh, Larson type tear because I just don't think he's that type of driver. Yeah. He doesn't seem, he doesn't seem like that. Some guys are really good at dominating. 
But Bowman, he's going to get to 20 or 30 wins in his career. I, I he's he's he will be a borderline Hall of Famer at some point. That that's my that's my prediction. He will he will be he will not be a sure thing, but he will get to the point. He'll get 20 to 30 wins, uh, one championship probably at some point, and he'll be he'll be in the talking points for for a Hall of Fame driver. Let's uh, let's talk about the truck race quick. Uh, William Byron wins that, and then uh, afterwards, Haley Began got in a bit of an argument with Lawless Allen on pit road. She uh, a lot of people ran into her, but she recovered for a top twenty finish, which is pretty good. Um, any any thoughts on the truck race? We're saving the Xfinity race for the second segment. Um, I didn't watch the truck race either. Um, just this this entire weekend was really bad for me with, with, uh, starting times, but, um, what, what, what can I say? Uh, Byron, uh, I think he really found his groove with this track. He, uh, he really seems to, to, to like how, how this track drives. I remember him running well, uh, last year here too. So, um, yeah, very impressive, uh, very impressive weekend from, from William Byron. Yeah. I, I was very impressed by him in the truck race, went out and got it. And then, improving uh he just improved throughout the weekend he, he he swept the races that he ran which is pretty good um what else were we going to discuss I, I forget what we put on the list and i don't have the list um Haley deegan made some comments about the cup races being too long that's right that was, and i think that was what we wanted i think she is wrong there are very few races that need to be shortened and some that I would argue need to be lengthened. I I personally, so this would be a really boring watch in some ways, although I'm waiting to see how that how Charlotte races with the new package. But I think they should make the Coke 600 longer. Oh, no. Please, no. Okay, I'll say this. Um, I'll try to be as unbiased as possible because of the time zones, obviously, because I have to stay up so late, I would want the race to, races to be shorter. And I, 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 I do think to a point Deegan is right, but um, I would only want the races to be significantly shorter, shortened if they stop allowing fueling during stage breaks. I understand why they want the caution because it's, it helps for commercials and it helps with entertainment. But if, if they would just uh, not allow teams to refuel the car, that would make the strategy so much better. It would be the perfect middle ground. Um, I, I really hope this becomes an option for them at some point because it, it pleases everyone. It pleases the crowd that doesn't want to sit and watch the entire race just to see the exciting parts. It pleases um, sponsors that want to get their commercials in. Um I think it's a perfect middle ground. Allow the stage breaks to stay, but uh, don't allow the, the teams to refuel the cars. I'm a big fan of the stages, but no cautions idea. And, and I, I don't see why they make the argument. Like I'd gladly give up missing five green flag laps for a stage uh, for a, a commercial. If it meant that we got rid of the stage cautions, like give out the points, let them keep going. Don't mess up the strategy. And uh, you can go to commercial right after the stage ends because then all the drivers will settle in a little bit more, you know? 
And I think that would also create a lot of interesting strategy where, okay, do you push and use up your tires to get stage points or do you save them and go for the strategy? I think that would increase the strategy. You can still give points to drivers running the running for running good in the middle of the race, but get rid of the cautions. Or I I do like your idea of getting rid of refueling. I, I think that would also work. Do something. Don't make it a normal caution at stages. Whatever you do, just change something about it. But here's why I want the Coke 600 to be longer. You make it 800 miles. You think the cars can withstand that? The Coke 600 used to be a test of man and machine. And now it's not. They just kind of ride around. And yes, they would ride around in a longer race too, but... You have to bring the endurance aspect back. Like, make some races longer. Make Dover 500, 500 miles again. Make uh, make Pocono 500 miles. Make Michigan 500 miles. You're big, long. Make some of this. Make, make the racing hard. That's my opinion. But some races also, I believe, probably should be shortened. I felt like, uh, I think last year, Road America felt really long. Um, I don't know what one of my one idea that I really liked that showed up in the athletic a couple of weeks ago was uh, making one of the Richmond races like a classic short track style race where it uh, like you have heats and you only have 25 cars make it into a 150 lap main. But like over the course of the afternoon between the heats and the main race, you still end up having like 400 laps like it still fits the three hour window but you just break it up and make it a little bit more intriguing. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to think about. I think it just gets too complicated at that point, but um, it's a, it's a tough subject. Obviously my opinion is going to be very biased because I don't have the, uh, I, I don't have the option to watch these long races. I, I, I've never watched a Coke 600 in its entirety because it's 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 basically impossible for me. I would be going to bed at six a.m., which is is is, is not fun. But um, I, I I can see your point too. I I mean I would love to start seeing cars just break down again because it it really separates the good teams from the okay teams. Which especially with this new car, that line is getting even blurrier. Which is a good thing, but um, sometimes you miss seeing uh a team just hit the setup right and completely dominate for a couple of weeks because um, it's fun. It's, it's the engineering of the cars is, is just as fun as seeing the, the drivers uh, battle it out. Um, as, as much as, as some people might've hated seeing it, I, I loved seeing Hendrick dominate last year because I was just wondering, man, what have they done to those cars to make them that good? Yeah, there, there is a certain, uh, excitement and like you, you want to see both uh, competition and also it, there's something very impressive about someone completely dominating um so this segment is going really long i think we should move on to the second segment where we'll talk about all the drama that ty gibbs encountered this weekend uh that little wuss um I, th- I think we should move on to talk about it all right All right, coming up next, Eric and I will discuss all the excitement from 
Saturday's Xfinity race at Martinsville and all the stuff that happened post-race as well. That's coming up next on the Quick Pit Podcast. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. You've made it to the second segment of this week's show. Eric's with me today, and we will be discussing. It's time to go over all the exciting drama that happened on Saturday night between Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer. Let's just start off by saying this. Ty Gibbs dominated that race. He was easily the best car. A couple late race cautions, however, put him in a bad spot, and on the final restart, he got moved out of the way and lost the lead. And as he's sliding back, uh, Sam Mayer, who's competing against him for the dash for cash, ended up going down on the inside final corner, shoving him up the track. Landon Castle gets underneath them, which exacerbates woof, dollar word, uh, exacerbates the uh, situation more. And you have a ticked off Ty Gibbs who can't take it back after giving it and man it's so good to have someone to hate what what were your thoughts on this whole situation eric um well first of all it's another race i didn't watch so i i don't know um exactly all that happened but um to me it's just another fight to be honest i mean we've seen plenty of them before um it's not the first time someone has punched another driver um so I was kind of confused as to why everyone was so shocked it happened. I mean, we, we've seen it. We've seen it happen plenty of times. The driver keeps their helmet on and goes and clocks someone. It, um, but uh, I, I, I can see their point regarding Ty Gibbs not really being able to take what he dishes out. I think that that's a, that's a, good, uh, that's a good criticism of his. Um, I don't mind him going and punching other drivers because plenty of my drivers have punched other drivers before. But um, man, if you're gonna comp- if you're gonna wreck John Hunter Nemechek just a week before, why are you gonna complain about getting doored literally next week when he when he did the same thing to your own teammate? Exactly, he can't handle it. And, and honestly, I think why people are so upset about the fight is first of all. Um, everyone knew Ty had it coming, so everyone's excited that he's finally getting paid back a little bit. Second of all, he kept his helmet on. Don't do that. Do not keep your helmet on if the other guy has his helmet off. And, and, and just just don't. It's it's a it's a uh, petty move. It's a weak move. And you know you're not making yourself any fans, any friends that way. The boos after that fight were Kyle Bush levels. I mean. I don't know who likes this kid anymore because I'm sick of him. Connor's sick of him. I, are, are you sick of him yet? I, I'm so tired of, of his garbage, and I hope he gets wrecked next week. Well, not next week. That's Talladega. That would be bad. I hope that he gets no no favors from this point on. Uh, yeah, I think he's uh, overgrown his welcome. Um, it's, I've, I, honestly, I started really – kind of being skeptical of him when he wrecked Ryan Sieg. I actually really like Ryan Sieg. Um, 
I, I really like his his operation and his team. So I was I was it was pretty sad when when uh, Gibbs wrecked him. Um, and honestly, I just don't see the the level of respect that other drivers give each other. I don't see that coming from Ty Gibbs. Um, he's just very 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 entitled, it's mostly when in his driving style. I I won't comment on. Uh, on how he got his drive and stuff like that, because there's plenty of drivers who buy their way into rides and get it via family connections. There's no point in talking about that because it happens so much at this point. But I think the fact that he cannot really seem to take what he, what he gives others at all. I think that's a problem. And um, I think if he doesn't get himself in check, he'll end up building an ego. He'll be the Kevin Harvick of of this generation thinking he's completely untouchable. And uh, it's frustrating when we get drivers like this because they just cause so much trouble to everyone around them. And it, they always throw tantrums when someone dares do that to them. Yeah. He's arrogant. He's immature. He uh, is holding double standards and he's such a wimp that he won't take his helmet off in a fight. So you know, no, no mercy from me. I am looking forward to, to booing him at the races that I go to this summer. And, uh, man, I, I think the worst part of it all is the fact that he, before he did all, all before the fight happened, he, he ran Sam Mayer on the backstretch and then hit him on pit road too, where there's lots of people around. I mean, it's not safe. He, he's being very reckless and, and wrecking cars after the race. He wrecked the best car in the field, honestly, because he dominated that race until the final restart, really. And, I mean, he's he's so immature. I, I'm sure he's still older than me and you. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I can't really complain about the maturity because I'm probably – we're probably close to the same level if we were put in that same situation, but it's just, he, he's, there's nothing redeeming about him. He, he's a, he's a pay driver. He drives a Toyota and he can't handle when, uh, can't handle things coming back around to him. Uh, I mean, what, what is there to like about that? Uh, well, at least he wins. I mean, he could have, imagine if, he had all those terrible qualities and he was also a terrible driver too. Imagine if he wasn't even good, that would have been even, even worse. At least he wins. That's true. That That's true. I, I mean, he's going to be very good for a long time, but he needs to, he's going to get shoved around. He's kind of proven he, he can't take it if he gets hit. So you mean, I think he's going to keep getting shoved around, and I look forward to it. Wow. You really don't like him. I do not. I do not like Ty Gibbs at all. Uh, if you go back and listen to last week's episode, Connor and I had a long argument about it. Um, and and I, we, we were talking about whether he'd perform in his first year in the Cup Series. Um, especially if he gets elevated next year by some circumstance. And, you know, Connor said he's going to get shoved around. I thought he'd win, but, like, he's not making any friends at this point, and it's going to be really interesting the rest of the year. He has a long season to get through with no friends, no sympathy from, from the garage 
I'm very fascinated to see how many other times he gets wrecked this year. He's going to end up Loganoing himself. That, that's what I think is going to happen. He's going to, Matt Kenseth is going to go out on track somehow and he's going to wreck him because if no one else is going to do it, Matt Kenseth himself, minus the playoff race, will go out on the track and wreck Ty Gibbs. Set it right Matt here. Kenseth will come out of retirement just to wreck Ty Gibbs and then disappear again. Exclusive scoop on the Quick Quick podcast. You heard it here, folks. I have the text. I can't wait to play that back. And <laughs> imagine, like, I don't know, Junior puts him in the car at, at Martinsville this fall. You'll, oh, you'll, my we'll God. Be... I have to see that. <laughs> what must watch television. Man, that would be something else if we called that, if you called that far in advance. All right. Do you have any thoughts, any, any other opinions on this Ty Gibbs thing besides the fact that he's a baby? I mean, they're all babies. It's the Xfinity series, so. It's true. Um, actually, before eh, – we'll do it. We'll do it in the third segment. Uh, it, it's some Bristol news. Um, I guess there's not much other news from this race. Junior ran the Xfinity race, finished 11th. There's a massive pileup. Did you see the massive pileup? Uh, maybe. I don't remember. Uh, basically, Mayer got jostled on a restart and – accidentally turned Gregson in front of the entire field. And there was like a 15, 20 car pileup. It's crazy. It looked like a Talladega aftermath, but it's just at Martinsville on a restart. So they're all bouncing off each other at like 70 miles per hour. And it's, which is really slow for race cars. Uh, it, it's quite funny to watch. Uh, Junior got spun around, but he got navigated through it. There's some really funny audio from his spotter and, it was a whole mess. That the end of the race was was chaotic. It was a mess, but we got rewarded with a fight, which is great. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Uh, I hope I can get back to watching, actually watching the races soon, which won't be this week because Bristol Dirt is also at two thirty a.m. for me. Very fun. Fun, man. They're not doing you any favors with these night races, but like. Connor and I, Connor especially, Connor loves night races. I, I think they're great, but I'm sure for you they're a pain in the butt. Yes, they are. Um, I, I, every time the new schedules comes out, come out, um, I, I dread seeing uh, the 7.30 start times because I know what that happens. I know what that means. <laughs> means means uh, either no sleep or no race. No, no race. And, and that's a hard decision to make. Oh, uh, during the playoffs last year in the first round, I, I didn't watch any of them. Oh, yeah. Are, are there any that you would, that you would, like, be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this? Because, like, for uh, the Daytona 500 last year, it was restarting at, like, 10 o'clock at night. I was like, you know what, I don't have school next year or next day. I'm just going to deal with it. <laughs> I paid the price. But are there any races that you would uh, – just forget it. I'm watching this thing. Oh yeah. Um, I last year for the Daytona for the Daytona 500, I stood up until 7 a.m. to watch the whole thing. Um, but this year, I think I would only stay up for the Coke for Coke Zero 400 and for the Bristol Night Race. Hmm. That's like no. How far apart are they this year? Is there a race between them? Or are they uh, so, back to back? 
Uh, no, they're not back to back. Um, there's Darlington and Kansas after Daytona. Uh, is Kansas a night race? No, Kansas is 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 a day race. Uh, Darlington is a, is a night race now, which not fun. I love Darlington. <laughs> Have fun. All right, let's move on to the Bristol Dirt Preview next segment, unless you have any more thoughts about the Xfinity Martinsville race. Uh, I didn't watch it, so just as many thoughts as, as when we started. All right, then we will move on. Coming up next on the Quick Pit Podcast, Eric and I will uh, preview the racing at Bristol Dirt, the, the second ever race at that track. And uh, as well as Eric will give his fantasy uh, preview live, and I'll help him with it. So that's coming up next on the Quick Pit Podcast. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. We are here in the third and final segment of this week's show, and we've got a pretty crazy race to preview. Bristol Dirt Easter night, night race under the lights at the Bristol Motor Speedway dirt track. It should be a good race. The, the Have you seen the videos of Stuart Friesen testing the thing? They look pretty good. Uh, I think I just saw a short clip. Um, I, I don't know if there have been more, but uh, I guess I have seen a couple of them. Um, it, the car definitely looks a, li- a lot more uh, off the ground, if that makes sense, compared to the Gen 6. It looks a lot more slidey, a lot loose, looser on the track, which is it might make for some better racing than, uh, than what we had last year. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm very excited after the video. It looks much more racy for, uh, for the dirt track. So I think this year it's going to be a better race. I think the fact that it's at night will help it from getting uh, dried out as fast and the dust issues. And plus, uh, dirt track racing is almost never during the day. It's always at night. So um, that that's the other part of it. Uh, it, it. It'll just be – it'll feel better. It'll feel more like a dirt race. I'm looking – really looking forward to this event. So we don't have much to go off um, for this race, but uh, who, who are some uh, drivers who, first of all, who have done – well here in the past and who you think could perform okay this week uh well the most laps led uh goes to martin trix jr last year he had a led 126 uh daniel suarez also led 58 laps logano led 61 um and the ricky stenhouse uh, finished runner-up that race so uh right off the bat those are a couple names that i would look out for Although I'm a bit skeptical about Logano because I'm not sure if if he just got lucky or if he's just legitimately good at dirt racing. I guess I'll guess we'll find out this week. Yeah, I, I would have my eye on uh, Eric Jones had a top ten last year, which was pretty surprising. I think someone like uh, uh, like Chase Briscoe has uh, some experience. Alex Bowman has been doing a lot of dirt track racing recently, and of course, you cannot forget. Uh, Kyle Larson or Christopher Bell either. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I honestly, I think if uh, they didn't get damaged last year, they would have probably dominated the race. Yeah, that was unfortunate. 
Bell spun out from from the lead, didn't he? And he, he collected Larson. I think that's what happened, right? Oh yeah, that that was what happened right after. I'm not sure if it was uh, right after um, the stage end or right after a caution. Yeah, but either way, on a restart, Bell got up into the the unpacked area, I guess, the out of the groove, spun out, collected Larson. The the two favorites for the race, just like that, were were done for. So honestly, let, let's give our picks, and then we can do uh, we can do fantasy. So Connor's pick is Christopher Bell, uh, which I think is a very solid pick. Eric, who 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 do you have for this? Uh, I can't have the same one as Connor, right? You can if you want, but you don't really gain anything, I guess. I mean, you, you would if you both get it right, you both get the points. Well, I would I would say that I, I do still think Christopher Bell will win, but just for the sake of the competition, I'll say uh, I'll say Ricky Stenhouse. Ricky Stenhouse, that's an interesting one. I, I like that pick. Series pick is the eleven of Denny Hamlin, who finished second. Uh, last or not second, third last year at this race. Um, all right, so you've got Stenhouse, and I. I'm gonna go with uh, shoot. I'm gonna go with Briscoe. I think he he's a he's a solid pick. Um, yeah, I this this is really hard to pick because last year I don't think anyone would have picked Joey to win. Yeah, I wouldn't have, especially after how uh, unconfident he looked about it. I remember doing the uh, iRacing broadcast. He did not look excited for this race. Yeah, I'm. I, it's very intriguing. And, like, Suarez went out, dominated a chunk of that race with maybe – I think he said he had one – he ran one late model start, dirt start that week or one sprint car race, and that was it. That was all his dirt experience, and he got out front and led for a good – good chunk of that race. So that was like the coming out party for, for track house, which was pretty cool. Um, I put out a tweet this afternoon, uh, recording on um, Wednesday at two forty-five Eastern time and uh, asking what your pick, what, what your picks and predictions for this race was. Um, Jane Waldrop res- replied that she is picking uh, Chase Briscoe for the win. Martin Trix, Jr. Bubble Wallace and Kyle Bush in the top 10. She went pretty uh, specific, 12 cautions, three DNFs, and it'll be uh, the race will run past midnight. So maybe you could wake up to, to the finish of the dirt race, Derek. Uh, well, I'll have, I'll have Easter break, and I don't think I'll wake up at like six to, to watch the race <laughs> on, 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 on break. Uh, so that, I don't want to do that. I want to get my rest. I don't wake up that early. I always end up waking up earlier than I want to on on breaks, but it is what it is. I have to wake up at like 5.30 in the morning to catch my bus. It's bad. Um, But, yeah, I I think I might have stolen her Briscoe pick. Maybe maybe that influenced my idea, but I think Briscoe has a lot of experience at this kind of race. And he seems like the kind of quasi-surprise winner that you would expect at this kind of race. So – I, I'm looking forward to any other. You got any weird predictions, Eric? For before we close it out. Oh, any weird predictions? Um, I guess it's not. 
as much of a prediction as it is just to kind of like a uh, a cool thing I kind of want to happen. Um, I think Ryan Newman might just show up at the track for not even to drive, just for like no reason, just to hang out. You think there will be a Ryan Newman appearance? Yes. Well, he finished fifth here last year. I would have said said he would have driven like a truck or something, but I just thought it it would be way too late for him to announce anything at this point. Yeah, I I don't think anything else will come out. Let's let's do your let's do fantasy, Eric. Who Who would you recommend to put into your lineup? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess I would. I would say Ricky Stenhouse is 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 a, is a no brainer because he's he's one of the dirt guys, and he's like one of the best dirt guys in the field. So definitely put him in there. Uh, Christopher Bell, also one of the dirt guys. Larson, obviously. Um, I would also look at Alex Bowman. You had made a very good point. He's been driving dirt a lot lately. Um, also, uh, I, I would have Truex in my garage. Just, just, I think he's he he can he can have another good run, but um, he's not really a dirt guy as far as I'm aware. So I'm not entirely sold on him. He did but win I, the truck race last year. That is true. So that's why I would I would have him in my garage in case if something happens, you can you can put him in there and and and, uh, and get some good points. Um, I would also look at Bubba Wallace because he has won. Uh, a uh, dirt race in the truck series not Bristol I think it was uh, was it Knoxville or was it Eldora I don't remember which one exactly Eldora. but I know he won a dirt race yeah at Eldora um, so uh, he could have a good run here I wouldn't be surprised yeah um, I would throw in I like uh, I like the Truex pick I think he's much better than people expect I would throw in Maybe uh, an Eric Jones as a value pick. I think uh, William Byron has been quite good everywhere recently, and same for uh, Ross Chastain. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked for another Ross Chastain top five. couple guys in the race that don't typically run. Josh Williams will make his cup debut in the 78 car, and Justin Allgaier is back for the dirt race, uh, probably my favorite driver overall in NASCAR. Allgaier is back. Running the cup race in the 77 for Spire in a beautiful paint scheme. That Brant 77 looks amazing. I'd love for him to go full-time with them at some point, maybe next year. But overall, um, I, I'm i biased. I might put Allgaier in the race just because uh, in my fantasy lineup because of uh, – mostly because I, I'm a big fan of his, but also because, you know, doesn't really waste the usage and – he has a good amount of dirt racing experience. That's his background. So, so maybe Allgaier can pull something off. Um, anyone that you would avoid, Eric? Uh, Ryan Blaney, because uh, he did finish seventh last year, but I remember he was very lost. Uh, I, I, no, he finished eighth, actually. Reddick finished seventh, sorry. But um, I remember seeing Radioactive for him, and he m- multiple times he said he was just lost and he had no idea what he was doing. Of course, this is now a year later, and that could change. But, um, man, when a driver says he's completely lost and has no idea what he's doing, I mean, you got to take his word for it. Yeah, that's true. He uh, was not uh, – I, I remember that. He was not very fast. Uh, kind of 
snuck into it, figured it out as the race went on, but overall doesn't seem like he has much dirt experience. All right. With that much being said, I think uh, that's everything for our Bristol dirt preview. Um, thank you, Eric, for coming on the show this week, filling in on, on somewhat short notice. Uh, once again, Connor will probably be back next week. I'm not sure uh, entirely what the plans are. I don't know exactly when he gets back from Florida, but thanks, Eric, for coming on. No problem. Always fun to, to help you out with the show. Yeah. And I'm realizing just now that I didn't talk about any of our sponsors as we open the show. So uh, I'll probably have to slip something in uh, at the start of the episode uh, before before the uh, – I'll figure it out. Uh, but this episode, as always, is brought to you by Washington on the Daily. Our friend and partner over on Instagram has all your latest and greatest Washington Commanders news. He puts it up on his stories, keeps everyone – all the Commanders fans, I follow him. He's great. Keeps me updated on all the news going on around the team. And uh, Mr. Dan Snyder keeps getting himself in trouble. So uh, hopefully uh, they force him to sell the team pretty soon. But that's WSH on the daily on Instagram. Go check him out. Give him a follow and support his account. And as always, go if you're looking to buy diecast, go to circlebdiecast.com. Or Plan B sales, use our promo code QUICKPIT, that's Q-U-I-C-K-P-I-T, QUICKPIT, all caps, no spaces, for free shipping on any order, $20 or more. That gives us some, uh, when you use that code, that supports the show. So, um, any final thoughts, Eric, before we uh, close it out? Uh, remember all the predictions I made. Matt Kenseth to wreck Ty Gibbs at the end of the year. Ryan Newman to make a guest appearance at Bristol Dirt. All right. Driving we'll, just, just in the stand somewhere or maybe waving the flag. Something. Maybe fun. he'll drive. He can drive the pace car. Yes, that, that, sounds, that sounds like a Ryan Newman thing to do. In his, uh, in his blank helmet. Oh, yes. And, and, uh, and on, on the couch, too. He can put like a couch in a pace car. Uh, on the couch, couch pace car. Hmm. Yes. Yes, Tesla, get on it. You can make it. Elon, Elon makes a bunch of stupid crap. He can, he can make a couch car. All right. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week on the Quick Pit Podcast. Bye, everyone.